And now, your local forecast. Welcome back to The Forecast. My name is Ed Sonic, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Chief Street. Hello. Hello. Good, mate. I'm very good. The sun is shining. It's a beautiful day. It's like 23 degrees today. I know. When I looked at the weather this morning, I was like trying to figure out what jumper I was going to wear. And I was like, ooh, sunny in 23? I don't even need to pack one. For those tuning in around the world, it's been cold and miserable in Adelaide. Like, just so demotivating because every morning I wake up and I just want to live in the shower. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't inspire me to make bangers when I'm freezing cold. So I probably couldn't move to England. You a shower in the morning guy? Yeah, sometimes twice, which is why I've like always dry my skin out, you know, one of those. Same. I'm yeah. out morning and night. But I, I meditate. In the shower. Well, when I say meditate, I get stuck because I'm thinking about stuff. Yeah. So I'm always trying to troubleshoot. And yeah, and then I realize I've been in there for too long. Is that like your your own time in there? You know, you finally get some some, yep. some minutes to yourself. For any parents out there listening in, uh, when you have a toddler, the only time you have, actually not even, I, I now I have a shower and I hear this, Hello. Yeah, yeah it's like, oh, okay. Uh, no, the only time I get to myself is when I'm asleep. Anyway, <laughs> first world problems. Uh, today we're talking about, I've just recorded, I'm very excited, uh, my first launch pad video in the new film studio with four cameras, which is, you know, trying to step it up every time. So I'm pretty pumped about that. Talk about that. You've got a topic that you want to talk about today, which I'm very excited about because Chief is becoming the stats man for the podcast, <laughs> which is pretty cool. And then you had a... Couple would you rather's. Hey, okay. All right. I thought we'd just round out with something a bit fun. Why not? Well, as you guys know, uh, for our returning listeners and watchers, we're very much experimenting. So the pod suite, we're probably in the final few episodes, I think, if all goes to plan, of this room. But who knows? We might just stick it out in here. I don't know. But the idea was to jump up to the, the new film studio, which we finished building. We did a test of it last week. Or was it the start of this week? Can't remember. Life's a blur. And uh, the microphones don't pick up any noise from outside, which is fantastic. Now it's that problem where if you've moved house and you've moved in and you don't have your furniture and the house just sounds like an echo chamber, mm-hmm. that's the problem we have because we have all these beautiful curved walls that are perfect for photography and videography and terrible for sound. Well, it's just such a big room as well. That's the thing about it. And Look, uh, you've got the most important thing is which there's no sound leakage from outside. Yeah. For those who might not know, there's a pretty busy road out there. <laughs> but that's all gone, which is great. Yep. So you've tackled that and now it's just like, how do you contain it inside? Which I, which is doable. You just got to get it done. I'm going to make a TikTok video on the massive absorber panels that I'm going to make. Well, it's hard because at this, you've got to fill the room up, but at the same time, you don't, you can't. Like the more… The more space available in that room, the more valuable that room is. You want people to be able to bring stuff in and move cameras around and have sets come in and out and tables and chairs. So you don't want to have fixtures in there, but at the same time, something has to eat that that sound up. Absolutely. And this is the fun part about a film studio versus a photo studio. I'm starting to really love all the tech and the gear. Mm-hmm. So every, like you said, everything's going to be on like caster wheels and they're going to be rolled around, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So lots of forward thinking. That's what I'm realizing. Yeah. Yep. I think you need that flexibility and it needs to be compact and because every day is going to be different. Someone's going to be like, we're having this set up. And then someone's coming in, we're like, we're shooting a toothpaste ad and we need cameras from the top now. Yep. So like, you're going to be on, you got to be adaptable. So. And that doesn't work with people like me. I like to set and forget. So mm-hmm. this room, just before we recorded this podcast, we had to set all the cameras back up. We're changing the mic settings as well because I've been changing the, the levels depending on which room we're recording in. So everything today is different. And for someone like me who's set and forget, I don't like that. Mm. I like to lock in a setting and leave it. And and the same with gear. Uh, we're trying a different light against a day with a different diffuser. Just all this other nerdy stuff that I'm sure people don't really care about. But I love it, but it's constantly troubleshooting. And then once we perfect it, I don't want to touch it ever again. And I think in this particular studio, everything will be changing and evolving all the time. It's good that you've developed a love for it though. Because I think, you know, if yeah. this was too annoying, that wouldn't be a good place to be at. Yeah, yeah. So let me fill you in on yesterday. When I used to make launchpad videos from my bedroom, I would borrow my dad's camera and that would be at the very end when I'd rehearsed the project enough that I was like, okay, I'm good to record. And that process still would take multiple sessions. It wasn't just I'd set up a camera, record it. It was like, "Mm, didn't get it tonight. I'll try again tomorrow night. 
fast forward to the project I've just done. I can't name just yet. I don't think. I asked Luke before. We're going to just speak of it in general terms. I've recorded a project where I was tasked with taking sound bites. So these are tracks, pre-existing tracks. And there were 10 tracks for me to use, all in the same key, which was amazing. And they were kind of like trance techno house, not dubstep or mm-hmm. electronic, or what do you call it, bro step, like very different sampling techniques. So more loop based. Anyway, my task was to make sort of like a mix launchpad mashup. And I had a deadline. It was due pretty well two days ago. So yesterday I was already overdue. So what I've done is I've sort of worked out a system where I can pretty quickly identify what parts of a song I can use for chords or bass stabs or loops or whatever, and then create sequences pretty quickly. But I don't rehearse it to the point that I'm ready to record. I get it to a point where I think it's almost ready, and then I just go for it. I just wing it. So I, uh, as soon as I was ready to record, I started working on the project at 9 o'clock in the morning, and I've got some footage. I took some video behind the scenes. And I wasn't ready to record till just before 5 p.m. So that's a full day's work of getting the song built, ready to go, but it still wasn't ready. It was just an idea. Then I troubleshooted for like two hours trying to find camera gear and cables and light stands and stuff. By 7 o'clock, I started recording. And after two hours of continuous recording, got it. A two-minute video. It was impressive. I've seen the end result. You've seen it? Very impressed because like you said, it was a completely different type of music that I'm used to hearing with your Launchpad stuff. So when mm. I was listening to the loops or the samples, I was like, I wonder how you're going to put this together. You did a great job. Thank you, man. Like I'm, truly. It was, it was a really good vibe. I, I think it opens it up for you a bit more to like try doing it with different styles, you yeah. know, you don't always have to be bro steppy. Some people might not like that, but they might totally. watch that and love it. This would be easier in a live setting because I experimented with a Max for Live plugin that quantizes the MIDI. So within the drum rack of Ableton, so for our producers out there, there was something that I could put onto each sample in within the essentially the drum rack that would help keep it in time. I didn't end up using it for the final video actually. I, I think what happens is I get so nervous and I start to, the BPM increases and whatever. I had to try and lock this in at 128 BPM, but I'm experimenting with this um, this plugin. And essentially, what it does is it's like uh, what Ableton Live was meant to be used for in Session View, where you launch clips and they're quantized, so they play to the master BPM. In a live setting, that's really important because you do your heart rate elevates and you get excited and you start increasing the play style and. Yeah, I've there's videos of me online going in and out of time and it, it just looks like a train wreck. But at the time, it was live. It was innovative. It was the first of its kind where it was so human. But I think when you're playing to a big crowd, you need to stay in time. It needs to be syncopated. So this type of music is very much suited to loops and loops help me stay in time because I can't forcefully yeah. change out of the key. It's, it's, it's locked in. So I'm excited for people to see it. Yeah. So how do you find... That process, you know, it was a, what, 14-hour day, 12-hour day almost. Yep. Can you break it down into segments? Like, what do you do first? Yep. What's next? And then obviously you, you bring all the cameras together and you start to record. But, you know, I can see what that side looks. I'm more interested, like, behind the hood. When you get all those loops, how are you chopping them up? How do you figure out? And sure. how do you map it? I guess it just comes naturally selecting what sounds good at the time. So I'm like, oh, I really love this build. Like, this, this build is what I'm going to use. That's just one button holding down, playing mm-hmm. you know, whatever four-bar loop that is. Play that. Uh, so that, that's really easy to identify and then just chuck on a launch pad. Then finding a kick, you just find a, an isolated kick somewhere in the track. And I think I ended up using one of my own kicks because I couldn't, all the kicks had some sort of sound effects yeah. layered on top. Then when it comes to loops, fortunately, all these tracks were in the same key. So it was just sort of, I don't know, trial and error, but on a time frame. So who knows, maybe if I'd spent two or three more days working on this project, I may have had an even better result, but I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. Sounded really good to me. Sometimes I think like working in a rush is not a bad thing. Well, we've had an idea, and this is a segue, I'll get back to the process, but we've had an idea of what it would take you and I and a vocalist to record a song in one session during a podcast. I think that would be really cool (laughs) because I think when you do have a time frame, you maybe have a creative license not to be so you know, being a perfectionist and all, like you can just go, well, I've only got an hour. 
So we're going with this. We're going with this. Yeah, these are the chords. I'm not judging Moving myself. On. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's something to be said for that. And yeah. I think that's why even recording studios is like, okay, well, you have one day. You've booked for a day. By the end of the day, you want to have something to go home with or maybe you've only booked for three hours. Like, Good point, actually. Last session I had with Perry, I was like, we were just fumbling around with stuff and I was like, violin. That sounds good. We're going with violin. Move on. And like, if, it sounded awesome. But there was no time to be like, oh, what if we try a piano? Now, yep. what if we try a guitar? It's like, that sounded good and we're going to go with that. Yep. Well, it's the same for Launchpad. I think, you know, okay, well, that, that loop or that stab works for now. And then my brain's weird. Once I've put the sound on the pad and I've played it, my brain just remembers. It's there. It's there. So I actually tried yesterday not to change it up. But with my previous videos, I might be playing a stab and go, I actually know I want to move the positioning of that somewhere else. Oh, okay. But then you have to relearn. It's like that neural pathway has to, has to happen again and then you have to rehearse yeah. it over and over. And then once that pattern's rehearsed, a ridiculous amount of times, it becomes muscle memory, it becomes, makes sense, and then you're no longer trying to think about where sounds are on the launch pad. It's more, and I don't know if anybody else has this, but it's a playback in your head. So the sequence makes sense, and I found the biggest hack for my brain, which is once I've got a sequence semi-worked out, I record it straight away, like just MIDI. Mm -hmm. And then I listen back a couple of times, and then it's just... Lock, yeah, lock and loaded. Your brain is different, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, not everyone, it's not like that. But it, it helped with memory chunking because then I had a visual aid as well in Ableton. I'm like, oh, that is like the verse. Mm -hmm. I can see that and yeah. I can see that pattern and it makes sense. It's mathematically correct, ready to go into chorus. So you have the, the launch pad next to you yep. and you have Ableton open up. You're literally throwing them onto the launch pad into and hitting it in mm -hmm. and just mashing and jamming and seeing what happens. And within the drum rack, you know, I'm changing attack, decay, the release, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Then because I think more, more advanced users of Ableton will understand this, you can affect each sample differently. So I can put, you know, filters yeah. and EQ and all sorts of stuff. Reverb. reverb. What's a reverb? There's a ton of reverb. When you guys listen to this video, there's an absolute like stupid amount of reverb on the lead stab because it was such a short sample that it just sounded too dry and ugly and it needed something to then, uh, the sustain needed to go into the chord. So it will make sense when you have a listen. But yeah, things like that. Then when it gets to the mix down phase, so I mix down my videos and that's not common knowledge. You know, people are like, oh, what you play is what it is. Like, no, it, it becomes far more complicated once I've actually rehearsed and performed the project. Again, once it's recorded, it seems to lock into my memory. I separate my kick drum out of the rack into another channel and have a side chain. So anything, any instruments that need to be side chained to that kick there's a side chain in Ableton doing that and that just makes it sound so much cleaner. So if you've got everything just in one drum rack, it's all just getting mashed through one channel mm -hmm. and you've got some, some issues there. Okay, so you're saying that each, each sound has its own track or just Correct. the kick you're taking out? Uh, oh. In my bigger projects previously, yes, every channel had its, or every sample was in its own channel. Right, and so that, you, can't mix, you, you can't mix volume just in the, the one sample in that drum yeah, rack? Yeah, you totally oh, can. Just I just easier found to take it out. Much easier. The great thing is, though, is that you can arm all those tracks again. So when you play the project back, it's got all your settings. So right. like your hi-hat, which you're playing, is panned slightly to the left because that channel is slightly yeah. on the left, but it's armed. So it's playing back. So it looks like you're playing one drum rack, but you're actually playing 12. Right. Yeah. And that's why I think it punches. So then, you know, it gets to the recording phase. And this is the yeah. part where I'll, I'll play some behind-the-scenes footage on this video if you're watching. Just so much time and effort going into getting it set up. and I think it's interesting in the past when brands have been like, oh, just make a launch video. It's like, well, the, the main component of what you're asking is the, the audio. Yes, I appreciate that. But it's actually perfecting the capture of the performance that is the most time expensive. And it's not just that. It's the expertise and knowledge and understanding of like good lighting. And this has all come in later years, not originally. The first video I made was so pixelated. But, you know, what cameras to use, what lens to use, what lighting to use. Uh, this particular one, I wanted to have a little bit of interest. So I've got um, flashing lights underneath the like decks, basically. So the table's lit up just to give it a bit of a live look. Uh, just little things like that. And then I've done this enough times now to know what cameras to use and whatever. And then you put it all together. So it was four cameras this time? Yeah, I thought I'd, I'd try four cameras. We're, we're recording on four cameras today. I don't know if I'll use all the, the angles, but the idea is that all four cameras are synced. They're all recording at the same frame rate color grading, everything. And then I get to sort of executively produce what angle the audience see because I think there's something 
interesting about, I used to just do bird's eye view, but I think it's interesting to have a zoomed in approach to see what my fingers are doing mm. jumping around the pads. Like, I think that's cool. And then to have alternating angles as well as just front on because the showmanship I don't think comes across when you're just looking down the barrel straight at the artist. I think it's good to see a little bit more of what, like, oh, that hand's actually playing the percussion. You couldn't tell that yeah. just from dead on. And the bird's eye view is fine, but in actual fact, the hands kind of stop you seeing what the pads are doing. And also it's been done. Like there are too many launch pad light shows out there that are bird's eye view mm-hmm. that have just ruined it for what I do on launch pad. So I'm trying to challenge everybody by making it multi-angle. And the other thing too is the lights were flashing. The lights were flashing deliberately so that people on Reddit could see that it wasn't fake. Wasn't there another little Easter egg you left at the end as well? Yeah, so it wasn't quantized. And so at the very end of the video, good pickup. I uh, deliberately went out of time just with one pad just to show that none of it was like loop-based um, in terms of like quantized warped function. Um, so for those of you that don't use Ableton or, or Doors, you can lock things into a key, press it once, and it just plays. And you can just fake the rest. Where this is all one-shot stabs, um, they all operate on what's called a gate. So you have triggers and gates. A gate essentially... For the amount of time that I hold my finger on the button is for how long the sample will play. As soon as I take my finger off the button, noise stops. That's really embarrassing in a live show when your finger slips. And it's you just silent. Just silent. Yeah. Whoops. So yeah, we, we have workarounds and things like that. But yeah, I think it turned out really well considering it was, uh, I wouldn't say, it wasn't rushed, but I was just very um, timely. There was two really nice angles that I liked. One was the side-on one. You like that? I thought that was really cool. And then, well, I mean, I feel like I've just been a part of the journey so much the past few weeks and just watching you rock it that to see something new and fresh, I really thought it was awesome, um, especially in a different style. Thanks, but then man. also the front-on one where your face is in it too. I feel like so many of them are like, it's not about me, it's about my fingers and the launch yeah. pad, but like at least you're being a bit more open. And I think that very timely for these days where people care about who it is more than what, just fingers. I know? appreciate that, man. Because for the longest time, I used to pull some pretty ugly faces when I was playing. You were concentrating pretty hard. But like, I mean, come <laughs> on. Like, it's like, it's the job, you yeah. know. What, you're not going to be there and be smiling. Like, And, you know, for the longest time, my launchpad videos were just my hands. So it was all about the launchpad thing. And I think, I think we talked about this in another episode where it became really difficult to get booked for shows because, you know, ultimately a nightclub sells lots of drinks. And that's because you're drawing a crowd and they want to know what they're in for. So when people see a launch pad on a poster, like, what? Yeah, it doesn't really resonate with a a normal audience. Where if they see a picture of a person and they're like, oh, I want to go see that person. Then people go to the club and buy drinks and have a lot of fun and party. So I'm trying to get my face on camera a little bit more without sacrificing what this is all about. Well, I think you've done a pretty good job with including it in the podcast and then this new video is like the perfect hybrid between it. Yeah. Oh, the only other thing I noticed, I don't know if this is old age or whether I just, you know, I haven't been playing. Arthritis? Oh, (laughs) man, my hands. Today, sore? Or yesterday? Yeah, and yesterday, uh, just in the the thumbs, just noticed that the smash. I mean, it's a full day. uh... But it never used to hurt. I used to get blisters though. Fun fact, if you're a launch pad and you've never had a blister from a launch pad, you're not launch padding enough. You're not a a real launch pad. You're not the real deal. Anyway, the video is going to go up, I think, before this episode goes out. Really? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's what we're thinking, but we're not sure. And uh, I'm going to put a little teaser, I reckon, anyway, uh, a video footage of it. Is that going to be on the, the M4 Sonic channel or somewhere else? I believe so. Okay, cool. Yeah. That'll yep. be good. And When was the last time you put out like a, oh. a launch pad video? Well, other than the ones I do here on this podcast, yeah. no, it's been a while. So I'm pretty pumped. I wonder how YouTube treats it. I hope they're nice. Does anyone here speak to the people? Does anyone here know anyone at YouTube? Because, interesting, I just became a YouTube partner again. Like, I don't know what the hell happened, but my channel, when I, I think when we left our distributor, because they were managing my channel, they, we, I was already a YouTube partner. Like, once I exceeded 100,000 subs, I monetized the channel and whatever. And like, woohoo. In the last couple of months, I've not been earning a cent, which is fine, like, whatever. But I, I've only just been reinstated as a, as a partner. So I'm hoping that my 
fix the problem. But if you know anyone at YouTube, please contact me because there's something not right. Something not right. They don't want to show anyone your videos. It feels like that with a lot of social medias these days. Like I didn't post to Instagram for three weeks. I posted today and they're like, we're going to show 12 people. I'm like, what the fuck? It's the same with threads. I wanted to catch threads. up quickly. Two things I want to catch up on, threads and goals. Go. Threads, I am doing a thing called Shred and Thread. Yeah. Uh, so it shows how inconsistently I've been going to the gym, but I have been going to the gym. And it's just a nice thing to do. I didn't do it the other time, but when I'm at the gym and it's awkward and, you know, you're in between sets and you're like, oh, should I be, you know, watching stuff or like whatever, I uh, I thread about stupid stuff. So this one was um, my watch, my smartwatch was telling me that I had excessively high stress levels. And uh, that's just because I'd, for the first time in three years, raised my heart rate over 100 BPM. Uh, so I wasn't stressed at all. I was just They're like, what's going out. on? Um, but yeah, how's your goals going? Have you been, uh, been stretching? I have been stretching a lot, actually. I went and got a massage on Monday night as well. Jealous. So really trying to get the the body right. Ready for basketball. Yeah, but um, I still got to do more. I got to start incorporating a bit just more regular exercise. But stretching, diet's been good. I'm going to try and do the massage thing a bit regularly. Um, I did, oh, it was like, my neck was so, uh, almost bruised, but like, you know, just tender as fuck. We finished and she was like, your neck was really tight and same as your right hamstring. I was like, yeah, I'm not surprised. Like both of them are always fucking sore. So, but that was good. Um, yeah, so feeling pretty good. Good man. Yep. Yeah. Do we look healthier? I think we look healthier. Man, I actually think I like, I don't know about since we started recording, but I've seen photos of myself last year. I do look a bit better. So that's good. Nice. Yeah. There we go. Good. All right, moving on. All righty. My, time, my time to shine. The stats, man. I'll give the heads up on this one that I didn't really... Today's preparation we, we was a bit bit rushed. We were actually concentrating on some bigger picture stuff for this uh, podcast rather than exactly today. Um, so today's topic is a bit random. Uh, but the reason I've decided to talk about this person... Sorry, that's my laptop with the ding going off. Um, we're going to leave that in there because we're unfiltered. Uh, the reason I to decided to talk about this person today is that there, I feel like there's a lot of artists and producers from back in the day or that kind of get overlooked over time because that's either because they're established, they're popular, people are used to the quality they're at. Um, and I think people just kind of forget to, to, you know, shine a light on them and appreciate them for what they are. Hashtag M4 Sonic. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> or it's uh, just to relate it to something in sports is like LeBron touches... LeBron gets on the floor for basketball and you just expect him to be great. And so it's become so normal that everyone just thinks that's LeBron James. But like what he's doing is just fucking incredible. You know what I mean? I but don't follow the just, basketball. I have no idea what you're talking anyway, about. Anyway, he's just been elite for like 22 years. Right. Like elite, elite. From the moment he stepped in to right now, never suffered a major injury, consistent as fuck, always leads his teams, just an incredible athlete. And I think just people... Because it becomes normal, people don't appreciate it as much. So, right. I don't know. I just, just kind of think that some people in the world either, you know, when I think about it being a kid and these seeing these pop stars, I thought it was cool to not like them. So, I would underrate them in a way. You know what I mean? Like, if I look back on Avicii's music, for me and some people in my friends group, he wasn't cool. But like, he, he was cool, which made us not like him. You know what I mean? Because he was popular on the radio and everyone was singing his songs like, you know, I'm trying to be different to everyone else. So I wouldn't appreciate his music. But now I look back with a bit more of a mature lens. I'm like, dude, it's fucking great tunes. Yeah. You know, but at the time I was this young kid trying to be cool by not liking whatever was popular. We all have a cognitive bias. It's fine. So we're going to talk briefly today about Will I Am and how he's inf just been a really influential, influential producer over his career. So... I mean, Will I Am is a bit of a household name, but if you don't know him, he's from the Black Eyed Peas. He's basically their main, you know, person who got the band together and are very heavily involved in their production. Um, so, but not only has he done heaps of stuff with Black Eyed Peas, he's then branched off by himself. He's made lots of collaborations and he's just his footmark on the industry is actually quite a lot bigger than you might think. And I'm just going to go over just some brief stats and just songs he's been involved in. I think you'll be surprised and look back on it and think, yeah, geez, he's actually had quite a successful career. When you think about someone who's just, you know, come off the streets or like he's not like a someone who's been, he's just made his own, own ground. So Black Eyed Peas took off in 2002 after they added Fergie as their lead singer. 
in the band. So before that, they were just the guys and I don't think they had that X factor to really open them up to the masses. I didn't know they existed without Fergie. Yeah, well, they did. and But once she joined, that's when they got on the radio and that. And then since then, their success has been huge. They've, they've sold about 80 million records, making them one of the best-selling groups of all time. So I looked at the list. What? I don't have exactly what number they are on the list, but like around some really, really elite company. Like they are incredibly slept on as a group. Wow. Yeah. They're, they're, so is that just uh, an Aussie thing or like in America were they? Oh, they were huge worldwide. Like I said, I, I just think they're underappreciated. They're in that group where it's like, yeah, they made some great songs. Everyone knows they made great songs, but they were like, just not. Can I ask a question? I don't know. I know, I know you don't like being in No, 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 no. I, this one's rough. So where is the love? That was a very. Okay. <laughs> Maybe just wait. <laughs> Knew it. I don't have the stats on that, but I'm going to run through some just of their songs because I bet as I start fucking throwing them out there, you're going to be like, holy shit, you're right. So over the run that they had, they were nominated for 101 various music awards and they won 59 of them. So look, Ooh. some of them are like Teen Choice Awards and stuff. So they don't, they're not all as prestigious, but they did win six Grammys. So that's wow. pretty, yeah, that's pretty great. Um, so here's just some of the parts of the, the, here's the tracks that won the Grammys. Let's Get It Started, mm-hmm. which had a more controversial title the first time I heard it. That is so true. We I, will not talk about I that on this because it's how they got away with it, man. That right. could have been like career ending almost. Yeah. Okay. If you, for those playing at home, Google it. Yeah. Go do research when I'm going to yeah. say it here. Uh, number two, Don't Funk With My Heart. Again, that's not what it was called. Yeah. Yeah, but that was like, you know, you have a radio version. It's like Justin Bieber, go love yourself. (laughs) Number three, My Humps. Uh, But when I say these songs, they're going off in your head, right? You fucking know it straight away. Fucking banger. Dude, all of them. Yep. Yep. I Got a Feeling. Ah, jeez, that was like every person on the dance floor. But like Like, so annoying at the time, but now, right, with your mature songwriting. Also so lame. I know, but looking back, you're like, fuck, what a genius. Like, they're incredible songs, not because they're, (laughs) I know it sounds stupid, man, but think about it. Think about it. The longevity of these tracks, like they're truly. It's like when Pitbull rhymes Kodak with Kodak, like, Genius. Tonight's going to be a real good night. And then they got, uh, they won one for an album called The End, which I'm going to touch on towards the end. But I just want to run through the run that Will I Am had okay. from 2005 to 2011. I'm not going to do songs, but I'm going to do the artist that he's got producer credits for. So not only is it the entire Black Eyed Peas catalog, mm. we've got uh, the Pussycat Dolls on a song called Beat. We've got Shaggy, Ricky Martin. Buster Rhymes, Justin Timberlake, Fergie and her whole Duchess album, really? which is Fergalicious, Clumsy, Big Girls Don't Cry. It's all him. Anything that didn't fit the Black Eyed Peas just became a Fergie record. Probably, right? yeah. Kelly's, John Legend, and then you got hip-hop artists, hip-hop artists like Nas, The Game. You remember Macy Gray? Yes. <laughs> uh, Chris Brown. <laughs> he did remixes and remakes for Michael Jackson. What? Worked with Flowrider, Mariah Carey, Usher, U2, Rihanna, and then a bit later on, Britney Spears as well. And that's a six-year run. Six years. Six-year run. So that would have been like peak of the powers, basically. He was able to get in a room with anyone, everyone. Oh, but like those, no, look, I don't have song titles, but, you know, at least I did have the one for the Pussycat Dolls, that beat. Mm. And like, and plus all the Fergie stuff. Like, mm-hmm. he's a big, big tunes. Damn. Yeah. So he's just incredibly, um, just incredibly talented. And the album that I just wanted to quickly touch on was uh, the one that won the Grammy, which was called The End, which is The Energy Never Dies, right? Right. I don't know if you remember it. So it had the tracks that were called Rock That Body mm-hmm. and Boom Boom Pow. <laughs> I know. I, I'm not going to say these are the best ones of the catalog that he has, but... I remember at the time, it's such an elect- an electronic album, which for I think 2009 or whenever it was released was like very premature. It was. Yeah. So I think it was. I like, remember like, like Bluetooth sending people songs on our old phones. It was like Akon and Black Eyed Peas. That was the era. Everybody was like, LimeWire yeah. was the thing. Yeah. Well, like you said, Where Is The Love was like the one. That Number was one. Like unity. Torrented song in the world. Well. Okay, is- hang on. I got a question though. Because like, Where Is The Love? 
is very different mm-hmm. to like my humps. Totally. And it would have polarized the audience, I think, because originally they would have had a lot of good doers. Yeah, like was, peace, love, yeah. hippie almost. And then it's about getting fucked up in the nightclub. Like it's uh, which camp you win. The more successful one was getting fucked up in the nightclub. But, yeah, yeah, they rode those waves once they figured it out. Um, but yeah, I just think that's, that's kind of all I've got to say about the piece. Damn. I just feel no, like it deserves cool. an applause, man. Like, that's cool. That's fuck. a fucking hell of a catalog, dude. Oh, I'd be stoked if I was a producer doing that kind of stuff. Bro, and like I think that like all the tracks like actually, you know, people remember them. They hold their their piece in time as well, you know. Mm. Like I, th- those tracks, I I like laid on the laid on the one the the Grammys. Like you know them by the time I finish the song yeah. title. Yep. So yeah, kudos to to Will I Am and uh, the Black Eyed Peas. Goals. I want to be that producer one day. That's just making bangers. How sick would that be? But I, yeah, I just think the talent there is probably a bit more overlooked than one hundred percent. It should be. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Boom, boom, pow. Boom, boom, pow. <laughs> All right, so now we've got a couple of… Uh, yeah, I, I, I've had these stored, stocked oh up for a, for a few days, a few weeks, sorry. But I don't know. Hopefully they go well. All right, would you rather… Oh, no. Produce off your trackpad forever. Or <laughs> trackpad? Pro- yep. <laughs> or, or off your laptop screen forever. Off my laptop screen. What do you mean? So you either have to use your laptop trackpad as your mouse. Yeah. Or never use a monitor. <laughs> like your trackpad. Yeah, on your laptop. Yeah. 100%. So, yeah, okay, so you'd rather monitors and a trackpad. Yeah. That's probably a good call. What would you do? I haven't actually thought about these from my perspective, but uh, I think you could probably, yeah, you can't really share a laptop screen, so that's probably going to cause some issues but if you put your laptop to the side and just you still want dude I've been using my trackpad more than I should be of, of late like I don't know why but like when I'm in the studio I'll plug my laptop into all the peripherals and everything and like mm. love it but half the time I just can't be bothered so I'll just whack on some headphones and just sit out in this room here and just yeah anyway okay that's an interesting one did that yeah I was gonna say did that catch you off guard are you expecting yeah, something like, different yeah 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 these are music related oh okay good to know yeah 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 <laughs> All right. Would you rather use no external plugins or use only external plugins? Only use external plugins. So just scrap all the all the Ableton yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'm not stuff. Dioro. Dioro is a is a weapon. He can use just all the stock Ableton stuff, and yep. he samples a lot of stuff. Um, you know, just records it in, and makes a synth out of nothing. No, no, no. I'm all about plugins. Yeah, I, I think I would probably lean that way as well because I probably I actually don't use a lot of plugins. You know that as well. But What's your go to? Like what's what are you making sound out of? It's always serum usually. That's the thing. Yeah. But I need that. If I didn't fucking have that, I'm not gonna go learn the, the Ableton. I can't even. We haven't even got the new ones with the FM synths on them and stuff. So yeah, my bad. that's my bad. That's all right. After after the episode, yep. we're gonna sort it out. Um. All right. So yeah, that one's probably a bit more because I feel like you might be missing something you really want if you go stock. But if you want something, you can always find an external plugin. You know. Yeah. No, it's an interesting thing because I I use most of my plugins for. The processing, not so much um, sound design. So, like, yeah, Serum, obviously. I'm not using, like, stock Ableton synths and stuff. But I think if you were to look at my Ableton sessions and see just how many plugins I have. And that's not to say you just keep throwing plugins until it sounds good. I've just got to select a few, but they are absolute staples now. Like, I have an Ableton template that I open every time uh, I start a session with a new client, and it's already loaded in everything I need on my master bus and all my mixed groups and whatever, it's ready to go. And it's all external. Can you shout out one or two? Um, yeah, I could. I think the the best one that I've been using on vocals of late, and it's free, is called Fresh Air. Yeah, yeah, I've stolen that from you. Yeah, unreal. Just don't cook it. Um, kind of similar to X for OTT, which again, I think I think is also free. Um, that, that just, I don't know, it's a multi-band dynamic compressor, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It just makes everything sound good. Like, <laughs> look up. What is it? Uh, Carnage's um, way, tutorial way when he did the Razor yeah. collaboration. <laughs> yeah, it's an iconic uh, moment. Yeah, I do this to make it sound way gooder. I mean, Puppy Gordo or whatever his thing is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, there's a few. Actually, what I'll do is I'll look properly next time and maybe make a list. 
Fresh air is a good one. I, I vouch for that. Yeah. All right. What would you rather? Would you rather not be able to DJ again or never be able to go to an EDM show again? Oh, okay. I think based on how many shows I haven't gone to, I would I would rather not go to an EDM show ever again. Right. I'll, I don't know about other producers and artists out there, but like I go to festivals and clubs and I'm like, nah. It's I, sh- a, I should be up there. It's an age thing for us now as well. We've seen it all. Like we've we've been out enough that yeah. it's like I don't need to go out to get fucked up and watch. Number one, I have social anxiety at the best yeah. of times. So I'm like, oh, there's too many people. Number two, if I'm not in charge of the music, I don't like it. Then again, take me to any hardware show and I'll just like lose my well, mind. Well, see, that's what I mean. I'm I'm really caught in the middle on this one mm. because I was like, I wouldn't want to knock back the chance to ever play again. But mm. I also do want, I love going to live music shows. It's not that I do it heaps often, but if like the fucking right show comes along, I want to go to that shit. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you saw, but Pendulum's doing a massive tour. They're fucking skipping Adelaide, which is Standard. super sad because it's actually like the full band tour. Oh, wow. Yeah, it would have been so good. I can't believe they didn't they didn't go for it. I, th- I really think they could do Entertainment Center. Absolutely. No, but Adelaide's always skipped. forgotten. But no. if that show came, like, I, I, I want to go to that. So… Okay, so you would rather one. go see shows than play shows? At this moment, because I don't get booked for anything anyway, <laughs> well, then why the fuck not? At least I can go enjoy some nights out every now and then. But There you go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, Chief Street never wants to DJ again. All right. <laughs> This is a funny one. (laughs) Would you rather count three, two, one for every drop in a set? (laughs) Oh, no. Or consistently mix tracks slightly out of time? Oh, Oh, what hurts more? Um, dude, imagine every three, 30 seconds be like, three, two, one. <laughs> oh, no. But like also out of time. <laughs> <laughs> Vocals <laughs> just slipping. Like. And just to, just to bring it home, three, two, one. <laughs> um, oh, no, I'll do three, two, one. There's no way I could. I would just, I uh, no, I just, I'd never play a show ever again if I couldn't mix in time. Yeah, it'd be like you'd just be dying inside. But I like think about fifty-five minutes into the into the show, you've played a hundred <laughs> tracks. Are you out there? Three, two, one. <laughs> Dude, the a... crowd would fucking hate you. Well, there was a few people at Tomorrowland doing that, and it's just like Yeah, but there's this is strictly three, two, one. There's no <laughs> one, two, threes. There's no let's go. It's it's the same one. Oh man, that's painful. Yeah, that's I've got to be one. honest. Like, you know, most of us get trained at some point in time, or have some team member pull us aside and be like, "Have you thought of this or whatever?" Or you, I don't know, you just learn the showmanship or you're media trained. When you start out and you do have to get on the mic, <laughs> you run out of things to say. Like, I've, I've never done it. And all, <laughs> I've never gone on the microphone. It's so awkward. The first couple of times, the mic is on, <laughs> so you just like. And it's like, okay, all right, need to, yeah, quickly, yeah. Just put it down. <laughs> or you get the feedback. Oh, geez. Uh, not, not if you've got like good setup. But yeah, the first few times of using a mic, oh, I can't remember I said something so cringe. I think I was like, all right, my people, or something <laughs> like I was, What is up, my people? <laughs> I remember Cooper. Human beings of earth, <laughs> my people. <laughs> Cooper pulled me aside after and he was like, dude. There was a part in the show and you said something like, all right, my, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yep, yep. And he's like, don't do that again. Um, but yeah, you just, I don't know, Warp Tour was fantastic for learning like what to say on the, on the mic. Because of the reps? Just the fact, yeah, you're playing every day and also the crowd size would, would change a lot. So, you know, you'd, you'd be playing at a, like a auditorium and you'd have like a, a massive venue and you'd have lots of people and then you'd be playing in a car park and you'd be playing to like an intimate crowd of mm. just a few or like depending on which state you're into, I mean, if electronic music wasn't a vibe in like, you know, the mid middle of the country of America, yeah. Texas. Um, actually, no, they went off pretty hard. But anyway, you, you learned that you had to engage to keep people interested and it was hard too with the launch pad, but making mistakes and get on the mic and just owning it. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, there's one time my laptop just completely died. Just it overheated, and it was really cool because we were on tour with um, some rappers, so they came up on stage, grabbed the mic because I just froze. I was like, 
I don't want to do. Mm. And they just started a chant. They were like, hey. And then the crowd was like, oh. Yeah. And did that and did some clap stuff. And I was like, you guys are just amazing. And the crowd loved it. Meanwhile, my tour manager's running off to get some ice, brings a bag of ice on stage, puts some like towels on it, whacks the laptop on it, cools it down, turns it, booted back up. Wow, genius. But I reckon we were probably out for like five minutes. Mm. Now, five minutes isn't a long time, but in front of a live audience, that's a long time. Time. So learning the art of engaging with the crowd. But yeah, there's a few things that I just really don't love. And that is asking, are you ready? Yes. The crowd is absolutely fucking ready. That is why they're there. And the countdown. Like, uh, which, and what else can you do? And in fact, I don't even really like it when superstar DJs get up and start dancing around on top of the decks. And what, mm. like, I understand there's a level of showmanship required to keep people interested and good on these people because they're doing a, a brilliant job. Who, who the fuck am I to say like, yeah. oh, what are you guys doing? You know, you're playing Tomorrowland. I'm sitting here. But also it's like at what point do the DJs, and I've said this my entire career, so like I feel like I can back it. At what point do you show the crowd how much you're not doing? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If there is a track that's just dropped and, you know, obviously CDJs, just all I have to do is play the track. But if you're not actively busy in the performance of the music, are you required? Do people give a fuck? No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The show goes on. And no I think people what. have learned a lot more about what is DJing over time anyway. You know, before, I think, well, I think people understand there's definitely an ele- a certain element of like not doing a lot. So it's kind of acceptable if you're talking a bit. People know you just play the song and then the next song. Yeah. And they're so, you know, I sound like hypocrite now. I take my hat off to those that can dance and can basically demand attention from the crowd mm. and getting them to move with them. Like, that's cool as fuck. I am not one of those people. Oh, it took me a few gigs before I even looked up. <laughs> a few times people were like, dude, you never, like, <laughs> look up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forget. But I just feel so shy sometimes in the moment. But now I'm more open with everything, so I'm a bit up. But never gotten the mic. The most fun, I think, is when you can use a fader um, or a filter and mm. you've got a, a, a trending song that people want their yeah. lyrics to and you... you Fade down so they can sing along. Like, yeah. I've been le- nervous of doing that. Well, I used to do other things too. So, okay, if you've got four decks, have one of them with sound effects. Yeah. Or in my case, a launch pad where channel one was just sound effects. And I used to love a massive breakdown and I'd hit a sub boom. So mm. I'd load up like a clip of sub boom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then on the fade, I'd go, whoop, 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 whoop. Like, uh. just fucking do something. Like yeah. at least doing something. Like when I DJ for Perry, if I try to get four, I even make it work with two. But I'll have siren, trap siren Go on ahead. one, and impact on the other. Yeah, so nice. it's always just boom. Yeah. Well, Will Sparks for the longest time had the ah uh, yeah. Oh yeah, on, just loaded up on one. Yeah, just on one. I got on him. And he had like a little. I think he had like a whole batch of little vocals he could pull on. And like yeah. that makes sense. And you know the old school DJs would play acapellas on one. Yeah. On the top. Nowadays, like especially if we're talking Tomorrowland main stage. The show, um, sometimes one of the decks or even now, they probably even got better technology than the stuff I'm familiar with with time code where there used to be a deck sending at least some sort of data to front of house so that they knew what the track was and mm. all the timings of that so they get the pyro and all that synced. It's probably beyond that now. But there is limitations to what is done so that the show is as awesome as it possibly can yeah. be. If you're... <laughs> not mixing properly or you stuff up or whatever, then it's a, it's a big production to mess up. Yeah, you. I think you've uncovered that a little bit before yeah. on how perfect it all kind of has to be. And it's not to take away freedom from artists, but it's like you're putting on the biggest festival in the world. Like yeah. things need to be right. You can't, it's not right for anyone for, for things to go wrong. It, it ruins everyone's image. You know well, what I mean? Here's a quick tangent. Would you rather play a pre-rehearsed set? Mm. Or would you play on the fly? For what situation? Tomorrow Landman stage. Oh, that's such a fuck of a question. Is Excuse it? my language. Well, I mean, I have no problem doing freestyled because mm. I just rehearse the shit out of it before I go and make it as simple as I can. I wouldn't really, yeah, what am I going to do? If I do it, if it's pre-recorded, what am I doing? No, it's not pre-recorded, it's pre-rehearsed. Yeah, or completely, no, I'm most of my shit's Pre, I'm swearing a lot today. Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, feels, it feels like a very casual app. Um, I would probably just do it, yeah, a pre-rehearse set. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm like that most majority. It's still live. You're still, you're still required to make it happen, but 
And that's my opinion. And I don't care if I'm criticized for it. If I'm going to play to that many people, I know I want to know exactly what I'm doing and I want to put on the best show. I don't want to be, uh, I mean, again, it comes down to the fact that I'm an artist versus over like a, a DJ. Mm. DJs are incredibly good. Yeah. Incredibly good at just, okay, I've got a bank of 400 songs. I'll just choose which ones work That's at the time. where I was thinking as well. It's like, I don't feel like I have the experience as just a DJ to just kind of freestyle a whole set together. Yeah. So I would rather just build something that I know works from top to bottom and just execute. Well, so festival set is very different to a club set. A club set, yeah, basically you want to keep the crowd moving and, and have a lot of fun. And, and the best DJs also know when to play songs that aren't for the crowd to move to because, you know, ebbs and flows. With a festival set... That's a journey. That is something that you want to plan. You want to get right. You want to have the massive crescendo of like, whoa. Yeah. If you do that at the start, then it's just an hour of boredom. So anyway, does that answer your question, 3C1? Yeah. <laughs> and we got one more. One more. A bit more of a personal question to you. Would you rather headline Ultra and never collab with Dead Mouse or collab <laughs> with Dead Mouse and never headline Ultra? Oh, okay. Well. Um, that's an interesting question because I think the latter would really help get the <laughs> yeah, ultra. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, this is a difficult one. I am concerned that old mate Dead Mouse may not like my music enough to want to collaborate. And whilst that would just be the best opportunity in the world. Oh, I've really got to think about this one. This is Can we hard. just pretend like he does want to? Because otherwise... Oh, yeah, then then no. Dead I'm, Mouse reaches out. Says, I, yeah, Mr. done. Mr. M4, no, I, want, done. I want to collab. I'm, I'm going to oh. your studio, the castle in Canada. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think that would give me more validation. How crazy is that? That would give me more validation that I had something than headlining the festival. Than headlining a music festival. Wow. I don't know. It's a tough one. That is a really hard one because I think in in some respects the they both play a similar role in in the output. Like yeah, they're complement like the reason if you headline saying you probably have a chance of collaborating with anyone. If damn you, it, you're right. If I headline at Ultra at least I can be like, "Yo, Dead Mouse, what's up?" What's up? But, now, but you can't now. Or he says, "Let's collab" and you're obviously successful at that point, but then you you can't. And then I can't headline. Damn it, man. I don't know what I would do. I'm just trying to, I wouldn't, obviously Dead Mouse isn't my guy, so we'll just switch it to Skrill. Oh, okay. Yeah, here we go. Would so, I rather headline, well, it wouldn't be Ultra either. It could be. I have the other stage. Yeah, what's like, no, no, you, you'd be at a harder festival, like hard festival. Like yeah, that. yeah. Or like, I'm not Lost Lands because it's not dubstep, but um, uh, Shambhala. This whole the fucking sick Beyond Wonderland. There's some sick festivals over there I'd love to go to. Um, would I rather headline one of them or... St- oh, it's a real... F- Good one. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> I'll take the collab. Because you can get enough shows everywhere else and doing... I'll play second and last. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, can I still play at Ultra? Just not on the main stage. Just not the headline set on the main stage. You can play before the headline set. Hang on. So Tomorrowland's still on the cards. Yeah, you can do whatever. Damn, just in. Uh, yeah, I could have changed the question and be like, you can't ever play another festival again, but that's too No, 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 because the audience knows how badly I want to play Ultra. Like, so the the major career goals for me, well, obviously like a club with, with Dead Mouse would be incredible, but the major career goals for me personally, not needing to piggyback on anybody else's success or prior success, is for me to have done something significant enough in my musical journey that gets me the reputation to be able to play a main stage festival like Ultra or Tomorrowland. Not like the last time. Different different this time. What if you didn't get to play Ultra, but we got to host this show there? That'd be cool. What What do you mean like? Well, we had the, the podcast there and we and just we interview everyone. Yeah. Oh, that's But you're not known sick. for being like… Oh, you're just that guy that has that podcast. Something like that. Yeah, that's Or like, okay. you know, yeah, you make music too, but like you're not touching that stage, bro. What the fuck? That's okay. I have people all the time that come to the studio and they're like, so uh, do you make music? I'm like, yeah. Oh, bro. Happens all the time. I'm like, no one fucking realizes. No, what's that plaque on the wall? Yeah. <laughs> Which one? <No. laughs> <laughs> all right. That, that'll do us. Uh, if you've enjoyed this show, definitely reach out. We're thinking of creating an Instagram just for this show. 
we'll keep you updated because I think, I don't know, we'll have a bit of fun with that. Um, any questions for Chief Street myself? Just uh, hit us up in the comments on YouTube. You can even do it on Spotify now. There's like a question thing. Not that mm. I've checked it. And uh, definitely hit us up on direct message on Instagram. We will see you next week. Peace.